This is an irreverent podcast. Check out irreverent.fm for shows from all our friends. Hi everyone and welcome back to Exvangelical. I'm your host Blake Chastain. Now I want to give you a quick warning up top and an apology to my mom. From this point on, this one has adult language. By adult language I mean profanity. By profanity I mean curse words. By curse words I mean things like the F word. And the world sure feels fucking cursed right now, so it feels appropriate. My guests this week are Tuhina Rash and Jason Chestnut. They are the co-collaborators behind Fuck This Shit, the online Advent devotional. Both Tahina and Jason are ordained Lutheran pastors in the ELCA Lutheran Church and created this devotional as a way to express their frustration with the world as well as their anticipation of Christ in frank and honest language specific to this place and time. The devotional features daily essays and works of art written and created by over a dozen diverse creators. Its tagline is, To convey a visceral gospel, we must sometimes use visceral language. I don't really want to preface the conversation much more, but I will say I am effusive about their project, and I encourage you to check it out, even if your initial reaction is one of shock and alarm. The purpose of Advent is the anticipation of the moment when God breaks through, and that's what's happening here. The devotional, as well as the PG-rated version, Run the Heavens, can be found on Medium at medium.com slash fuckthisshit, and you can also find discussions of this online under the same hashtags, fuckthisshit, and Run the Heavens on Twitter. Now, seemingly commensurate with the discontented language of the devotional Jason and Tahina meet with me to discuss, my computer was discontented with about the first 15 minutes or so of our discussion. Our call was dropped and the first bit of the show was lost, so we'll join the discussion in media res and get right into it. As always, you can like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash exvangelicalpod, follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at exvangelicalpod, and follow me on Twitter at brjastain. Please rate and review the show on iTunes and support the show via Patreon at patreon.com slash exvangelicalpod. Happy holidays, everyone. Let's run the heavens. Okay. Yay. Hey. Yay. All right. Yay. Okay. <laughs> is, is this... Is everybody here? Awesome. Okay. Yes. Oh, yes, yeah. You yes. guys can uh, keep the uh, keep the. You can turn off your uh, your video so we could save some bandwidth and make sure no one, <laughs> nobody drops. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Understood. Yes. Uh, okay. Sorry about all that. No. No. It's that's all okay. Good. <laughs> so, so um, do we start over again? <laughs> no. I I think um, you Tahino were answering it. Uh, giving a great response about what drew you to Lutheranism. And then that's when I uh, couldn't hear you anymore. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Um, oh, so what drew me to Lutheranism? Um, for me, it's, there's something, there's something phenomenal and amazing about the theology. Um, I think having a personal experience with the theology, um, having a personal experience with the Holy Spirit and, and, and God for me just blew my mind because as a, as a Hindu, I kind of have this, this notion of everything that you do in this life will impact who or what you will become in the next life, which feels kind of like it's this weird kind of works issue. But then, um, when I started going to church very regularly, when I was in college and graduate school, I just, I had an experience with the Holy Spirit that just really blew my mind. And it didn't really make sense because that was God's action and not mine. So that just, um, that really blew my mind. Like, why would God want to be in a relationship with me out of everything and everybody on this world and in this planet? For some reason, God picked me. And I also realized that, well, that also I don't know if this is literal or figurative. It scared the hell out of me. But um, but at that time, it was this realization of, oh, my God, God is real. And then I got really scared and wanted to run away from that and then just realized that God was 
God is immensely persistent. And that if God has a call on your life, then God just never stops. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Um, I, I, I would echo, obviously, everything Tuhina said. I'll just do that for the rest of the podcast. I'll say <laughs> what, what, what Tuhina said. Um, uh, I think, I think, I think the the Lutheran um, God talk, the theology, is is immensely powerful because it it, it it's rooted in a sense of um, well, the Protestant Ref- Reformation, which is based in protest and reforming. So I think that that is definitely something that um, Lutherans uh, offer the world, and uh, the sense of always reforming. Uh, Luther called it, you know, semper reformanda. And I think a lot of times Lutherans are all about the first Protestant Reformation, but they don't really want it to reform ever again after the first time. And I think it's a big deal to say, you know, we're always reforming. We're always called to look at how we're following Jesus and how we are connecting with our faith. And what does that mean? And I think Lutherans are called to be saints and sinners. We're called to be in the world and of the world. I think it's, uh, it's overwhelmingly connected to um, an understanding of, of the, the movement that Jesus started. And that continues. Yeah, uh, and those are both great responses. I'd I'd, uh, I'd actually never heard about the always reforming before. Um, yeah, that's a very that's a very powerful idea as well. Totally, yes. So, in that sort of reforming spirit, both of you have together um, uh, began this Advent devotional. Um, where, um, let's see, the day that we're recording this. I think what day are you are you on today? What was released? Day eleven. Eleven. Okay. Day eleven. And um, the devotional that I'm referring to, as I mentioned in the introduction, is known by two different titles. Um, the <laughs> the rated R version is "fuck this shit," <laughs> and the <laughs> the PG thirteen version is "run the heavens." Actually. Um, Straight up PG. I think it's straight up PG, yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, We definitely. were very yeah. intentional PG. in making it straight up PG. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we even went off like the MPA, the Motion Picture Association of America. Standard. We did. We did. Which, because which, cause the MPAA lets you get one fuck in in a PG-13 movie. Just so, one. Just one. But not so the title. We would have been two. We, yeah, so, so yeah, either way. <laughs> Uh, so how did how did the two of you begin to formulate this idea, um, and what made you choose Advent? As and then far Jason as the, responds the back, really "Fuck this shit!" An Advent um, devotional. And what you published so far, you know, there's and this there's was what September, a, a Jason. Of, uh, yeah, mid September. Amount of you know, yeah. It being about and when I saw that one line, "Fuck this shit!" An Advent um, devotional. With the current um, state of it was just like and, you know, it was like the Holy um, Spirit. So what, just what said was yes. it that that really tied for you? Um, yeah, that and sort we, of, and then we, we that, had to those do sorts it, right? of sentiments so we, into Advent. We started planning. We started planning then for um, you know, Tuhina and I uh, have, have have different gifts. Um, and I think they came together really well. So I started doing a lot of graphic design, um, and, and, and putting out, uh, the other, let's see, I mean, putting out like different things on, uh, through my, uh, internet presence on what, you know, starting the hashtag and Tuhina did a lot of, uh, work in the, the lectionary and looking at the, the readings throughout Advent and then coming up with prompts. And so we just started going back and forth. And I think we had it, I think we had it pretty much ready to go by the end of September. Yeah, we, we really did. I mean, I was, I was floored by how I was actually floored by like how this came together and, and the spirit in which it came together because we, we wanted to make this very liturgical to have the rhythms of liturgy, to have the rhythms of the daily uh, revised common lectionary, so I had gone to the Revised Common Lectionary and had looked at every single reading for every single day of Advent and then had crowdsourced on Facebook, just kind of wondering like, hey, everybody, what's your favorite swear word? Which ended up being one of the most popular um, posts I've ever gotten responses on <laughs> on Facebook ever. 
Right, and a lot of them clergy. Right, and, a lot of them were people. clergy. Yeah, I, right. I had, um, I actually counted the other day. It was about what? It was almost ninety responses of people wanting to share their favorite word that they used to swear to curse. Yeah. And it was that was so indicative of like, okay, there's there's this need for cathartic release. You know, I think we're we're given bodies for a reason. Jesus had a body for a reason. Um, and it's so that God made manifest in flesh could could have our experience. And that what we the experiences we have in these bodies, these experiences, these are holy experiences. Yeah. And we would say like, you know, the, um, sometimes uh, some of the articles written about it say, you know, uh, an Advent devotional using words not found in the scripture or that we're kind of going off and, uh, speaking and, you know, or trying to be hip or cool or whatever. And I think it's not that at all. I, we're, we're looking at, we're looking at biblical words at, um, uh, you know, a lot of times they've been sanitized down, but even even John the Baptist screaming out, you brood of vipers. Um, there's a lot of very harsh language, in, in, especially from the prophets, and I think we were just tapping into that. Well, even St. Paul's translations, um, that, you know, it's one thing to sift through somebody's—it's one thing to sift through garbage— because, you know, people might, you know, I'm just going to out my husband right now. He dumpster dives. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, yeah. Put it, put it all out on Exvangelical, man. <laughs> um, so it's one thing to dumpster, it's one thing to dumpster dive and go through garbage, but it is an entirely different thing to go through excrement. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and actually, on the topic of shit, I don't know if you guys, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw. Uh, um, the Pope was actually quoted today uh, talking about fake news. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and he he compared it to people either eating shit or being aroused by it, <laughs> which yep. like that's some that's that's some frank language. He didn't he didn't Listen, use I'm the he didn't yeah. use the vulgarity, but he used the vulgar example, mm-hmm. um, which, uh, it tapped into, it tapped into people. And yeah. He knows, he knows how to talk to people. Right. Absolutely. Um, and I, I don't know if you, um, feel this way. I, I had a roommate at, and I went to a Christian college, um, but I had a roommate who, um, who made a difference. He, he distinguished between something that could be vulgar and something that could be profane. Um, and so you can say words like damn, you can, you can ask God to damn things. You can say fuck every once in a while. Um, but being profane, even though we call it profanity, it's not necessarily something that's attacking something sacred. Um, but one, one of the things I find so interesting about your project is that you are using this language that to be, to be totally honest, people use, um, people use it when they're upset. Um, and I think there is definitely something cathartic about claiming those words. And in this time in our history, when so many people are upset about so many things and just justifiably so to say, say those things to God and with God in a sort of sacramental process or at least a devotional process. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, I, I, I think, I think Tuhina and I have, I mean, we really tapped into something way beyond ourselves in this, right? Which is, I mean, it was always a hope, but like, wow. Well, I don't, I don't think we were going I never anticipated this response to be entirely honest. I mean, like, you know, when I, you know, back in September when I was crowdsourcing on Facebook, like, Hey y'all, what's your favorite swear word? And like, just saw like my Facebook light up with responses. And it was like, huh, that's really interesting because if people are so willing to share that in a public space 
and then if we if we tie this to a devotional that's focused on on lament and on anger and i think that there are there are aspects within the life of institutional church that i think have been ignored um and i think a lot of that is lying in anger and lying in lament that a lot of people are told like even by people within the church of like you know get over it right um and that's so damaging because, you know, how do you get over the death of a loved one? How do you get over a diagnosis that's going to change every aspect of your life? How are you going to get over that these expectations that you had for your life are now never going to be met? I mean, this is when it deals with people's lives and their identities and and particularly because, you know, we are a people of a God made flesh. How do we not acknowledge this? Right, and how and how do we how, how do we name and claim the fact that that Advent is primarily about prophets calling for God to come down into our own messiness, our own shit. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's the hope. That's the that's the. That's the thing that's 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 cried out a, a voice crying in the wilderness, right? Prepare the way of the Lord. I mean, I think we 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 just lose a lot of that. Um, Advent is a pre-Christmas season, even in liturgical denominations like our own Lutherans. We don't we don't we don't uh, observe Advent. We do it. We do an Advent calendar or something, right? I mean. We do a wreath, we do a calendar, but I think that we're, I think there's so much focus on the preparation for the coming of the Christ child that we often forget the second coming of Christ. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Um, So the way that, the way that I see Advent is that it's, it represents two comings of Christ. Um, That the first is the coming of the Christ child over 2000 years ago when, when God made flesh was born into our world. Um, but then that second coming is when Christ will come again. Uh, you know, as, as a creedal Lutheran, this is what, this is what we profess in, Mm -hmm. in our creeds, um, that Christ will come again to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. Um, and that I don't know if we ever really honestly acknowledge or talk about that second coming, in this Advent season, because I always feel like there's all, all of this preparation for the coming of the Christ child. But what happens if you really seriously consider and think about what happens when Christ comes again? And I think like particularly during this season of Advent, I can't speak for Jason, but at least for myself, I've found my, I kind of find myself daily going, Amen, come Lord Jesus, because <laughs> I really tired, you know, it's been, it's, it's been a lamenting Advent. Yeah, and you know, I mean, Advent Advent is is much more ancient than even Christmas, right? I mean, it it, it it's always been a sense, even with the ancient Christian community, um, they were always kind of screaming out, crying out uh, for for God to come into the midst of the Roman Empire, to come in the midst of of um, you know, really really harsh life circumstances as a community as a as a community on the fringe and so we've lost a lot of that and uh and now i think a lot of you know advent gets mixed up in the non-existent war on christmas kind of thing yeah and as far as the uh as far as its place within um within the christian calendar and everything i do you as far as the sort of um the value of the christian calendar in general um, Advent being this thing that leads up to Christmas and then for some people up to Three Kings Day or Epiphany. Um, I really like that example of of it being a remembrance, the remembrance of the, uh, the Christians who lived in the past and that expectation that they had, as well as what you said to Hina as far as um, looking forward um, and of that being a way to sort of... Um, sort of give us an expectation of the future and, and the things that we claim um, in the Nicene and Apostles' Creeds and everything. Um, there's a bit of, there's a sense of legacy with looking back and a sense of hope when looking forward. 
Well, and I think like the liturgical calendar and liturgy, um, because it's a reflection of the coming birth, life, death, and resurrection of Christ. And that should be a reflection of our daily lives. And I think there's a particular beauty in that in our liturgy, um, mm-hmm. at least within the Lutheran liturgy and within the liturgical calendar year, because it this is this is the reflection of how we should be living our lives as followers of Jesus. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the, the liturgy is really, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's a way of, um, patterning our life and our rhythms off of, off of the life and times of Jesus of Nazareth. So Mm -hmm. Advent is so unique because Jesus is not yet on the scene. And when we do hear, and when we do hear from him in the Advent season, it's normally the apocalyptic visions that he has. Um, and connecting, you know, with the end of the world. So as, as Tuhina has said, it's this, it's this dual nature of Jesus coming again. So it's just, it's, it's so different than Christmas. Even, I mean, Christmas itself, right? You've still got the slaughter of the innocents and you've got, um, Herod seeking out Jesus and, and trying to trick the wise men into doing it. I mean, the way in which we've domesticated a lot of these seasons to fit in with cultural Christianity is extraordinarily frustrating. I think that's part of what fuck this shit has done um, (laughs) is being like, Hey everybody, keep your eye on the ball. What is this season really about? You know, I mean, really what's the reason for the season of Advent? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Well, and I think keep Christ in Advent. Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) <laughs> well, and I, I think part of the language as well, because, you know, we have this puritanical history of, you know, Christianity in the United States. And I have this term that I use a lot. It's called puritirany. And I think a lot of our Christian, I think a lot of our Christianity and a lot, a lot of our language and a lot of how, how we live life in institutional church is held hostage by puritirany. It's a great word. I use it. I've used it in multiple sermons and other <laughs> things. Yeah, yeah. Especially um, speaking to the people that I have, even just through prior episodes of the show, that is definitely a through line um, where it's more like, you know, you're expected um, to be like a perfect version of yourself instead of just regular human. Um <laughs> Uh, right and and uh the expectations the the sort of yeah that i i'm i'm gonna borrow that word too i think <laughs> it's really good and, and, and i think too um you know there's that there's that piece from uh the sermon on the mount be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect but really that word is much more uh close related to the word for whole right be whole um and I think that's what our devotional is doing in some ways is inviting everybody's whole self into it and saying, hey, if you talk like this, um, that's, not, that's not a negative. That's not a uh, thing that's not welcome. That, that, that's part of the body of Christ. Yeah. Well, and I think the, yeah. well, the other thing that fascinates me is like, you know, people are like, well, this language is offensive. This language should not be used in relationship with scripture. And it's like, well, first off, have you read your Bible? Yeah. Um, and which Open translation... up Ezekiel. Come on. Open up Ezekiel. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it and, once. And, and which translation have you read? And let's talk right. about it. Um, but at the same time, it's like, okay, the, the all-knowing, ever-present God knows that, like, I say the fuck word a lot. The fuck word. I love it. <laughs> It's not the F word. Uh, it's the fuck word. <laughs> um, and, and I actually have to credit that to my friend Patrick Reyes. Um, yeah. But the fuck word, um, like if God knows that I, God knows my vocabulary. If God does not know the language that I'm using at any given point in time, and if God's going to be angry at me for using any particular language at any given point in time, like really, really, God's going to be like angry over that? Seriously? Right. And I think there's that thing too around like people like, well, you can say it personally or you can say it privately or whatever, but you shouldn't be saying it in relationship to scripture, as you said to Hina or in church. And it's like, 
Um, but if this is language that I use, like what a weird understanding of church then that I'm supposed to censor myself in front of God. Yeah. And well, and I think like this is also a contextual thing. Um, I think like Jason, you had written about this when we had when we had to do our apologist writing before. Yeah. We each <laughs> we each, you know, put out our, our own uh yeah, it's totally an apology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In the old school way of it, right? We were both we were both Valentino and, and trying right. to apologize for our yeah. <laughs> right. The the apologist sense, but not apologizing for what we've done. Right, um, right. But that I think like we were talking about, like there is a particular context for this, um, that this is, this is very dependent upon the situation. And I, you know, Jason, I remember you saying, it's like, you know, it's not like you drop the fuck word during the children's sermon. <laughs> right. Right. And I, and I don't open up, I don't open up uh, Bible studies with what the fuck God. Um, but it depends. It depends on the, you know, so there, there have been situations and, and, on Twitter and other places like th- we have connected fully with our community and with our audience. And so, yeah, there is a context for it. That's, that's, that is precisely why we created Ren the heavens. Right. Well, I, because say, we know this doesn't work in every context. We know that fuck this shit is not for everybody. I think it, I, I think it's very interesting um, in that for some people it will, um, when you introduce uh, vulgar language, sometimes it will um, make some like pique their interest, or um, or um, you know make them more sensitive to what you're actually saying. Um, I, I forget uh, who there was a speaker that came to my school for a chapel service. Um, I'll be honest, I skipped it. I did not go to. <laughs> <laughs> I was a bad chapel at- attendee. Um, but later, I heard that his service was, you know, uh, talked about the number of people that die malnutrition. Um, Tony Campolo. Yeah, but yeah, you, and yeah. but you don't give a damn. What you care about is the fact that I said damn in the lessons. Right. Um, oh, I thought it was right. shit. Uh, <laughs> it was shit. Yeah, I think that I think it's, yeah. almost, it's almost become like a like, so, like an urban story. legend. Like yeah. Urban legend. So so yeah. that that sermon was was given at my at my school, um, but and um. But what I'm um, in relation to that, what I was trying to get to is for some people, it like it, it gets their attention because they don't necessarily like it. They don't use those words. And but then on the other and that might be on what you might call the conservative side. But on the other side, there are people who like if you admit that you say shit or fuck or whatever, then you like have an end with them. You become more human and then they will listen to you more. So it's this interesting sort of dichotomy yeah. or balance in um, what um, what's crass or vulgar or honest language. Like, on a, I mean, I I would think of it as honest language. Um, it's the sort of language you might share with someone you're close with, even if you don't tend to swear in public. Um, you have good friends that you swear around. Um, that sort of thing, and it it's a, a, sort of like an empowering thing. Um, in a, in a lot of ways. And well, and part of this, I think is also a generational issue that we've encountered. Um, sure. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people our age are like really resonating with the devotional with fuck this shit, but there's also, there's also a huge group that's also resonating with rent of the heavens. Mm-hmm. But I think just with the initial graphic that we had released when we had done the apology writings, um, of just, you know, the prophet Amos with the words, fuck this shit. Like that just completely turned people off, like right off the bat. Um, that it was just like a brick wall had just been thrown up between us and them. Um, but it's, it just seems to be a really generational issue that, um, you know, I was talking with my mentor about this and he doesn't have the internet. So I actually have to read everything to him over the phone, which is pretty hilarious. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that that actually shows how much I love this guy because I will read to him like over the phone as opposed to being like, can't you just go to the library and look this up? <laughs> <laughs> but it's really funny because he, you know, he'll say like, just don't read the F word. Hmm. And I and I just find that really interesting. And I think because he's my mentor and I kind of know our relationship. So like I, I know that boundary with him. So it's like that's when I just go boop. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's great 
I mean, I think too, like, um, there's a sense of what we're going to, I, I realize, so I, I'm running tweet deck, right. And I'm like running, fuck this shit. Like in one of my tweet deck, um, columns. So I'm always aware of who's tweeting into it or who's, um, joining in the conversation. And it just hit me that we have taken over a hashtag that is really, um, <laughs> it's, it's overwhelmingly secular. It's people just kind of, um, pissed about any pissed about everything from the election to very um, local concerns or being in a meeting that they don't want to be in or whatever, <laughs> and they're using this hashtag um, to cancer, right? To 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 all this shit that happens in our lives, and overwhelmingly, our like so it's it's done two things, right? It's it's taken the church into the hashtag fuck this shit. But it's also inundated the hashtag fuck this shit with Jesus. So if you go to that, if you go to that um, hashtag on Twitter or Instagram, you're going to see overwhelmingly our stuff. <laughs> so it's sort of like we have we have kind of parachuted into secular social media and said, hey, um, Christianity has something to say about this. And if that's not if that's not contextual theology, I don't know what is. <laughs> yeah, uh, I wonder what the um, Lifeway research slide is going to show. <laughs> whenever right. They... <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, talk about uh, talk about your social media campaigns for um, for religious organizations. Yeah, that's um, that's very cool. Um, but you said uh, you you mentioned that you know people are using this to have previously and still do use this hashtag to just convey being upset about something. They're just frustrated. What is it? Um, I just kind of want to move beyond a little bit beyond the, the, the language where you're using um, to, to pique people's interest or draw their ire or, or whatever it might be um, to what else you want to communicate what are what are both of you angry about what are you lamenting and what about the the um the authors that you've chosen to to write these daily devotionals as well and that's a very big open-ended question but uh but i I definitely like like how much time do we have (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i mean like you like you both have said you you've definitely Con- this is a contextual thing. It's the end of 2016. It's the possibly the worst year on record. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just you know, it started with losing Bowie, and then it all went, went to <laughs> shit after that. <laughs> uh, you and, know. It, and, it, and it ended with losing democracy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, right. And ended with uh, fascism and s- put, sending a misogynist to the Oval Office. Um, and, and making white supremacy okay, like overt white supremacy, because before it was like, you know, just kind of like the insidious, like backhanded, like underneath the right. table stuff is like, okay, yeah, right. fine, whatever. Yeah, now there's but now Nazis. like <laughs> now it's like it's all out. Like it's not, it's, yeah, it's not it's not white sheets in rural Tennessee anymore. Like it's the KKK and it's it's people being attacked. Like okay, I live I live in the bastion of like liberal America, right? You know, the Bay Area, San Francisco. And that people are being attacked and murdered in the Bay Area for being Asian, for being black, you know, that white supremacy is alive and well in the Bay Area. And that has now just been coming to the forefront after November 8th. My birthday. Sorry, Jay. Oh, good. Worst birthday ever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, Tuhina named it before, right? Like, the extra the extrajudicial killings of black men um, by police are, are are the opening thing of this. But as you've seen from our and we, we we've been very specific to connect with people from a wide range of of uh, backgrounds, but we've been very particular about having our um, our featured artists be um, diverse in a true sense. And, and, and we've gotten some feedback from that too. Like that this is a real diverse Christian project mm-hmm. and not diverse. Like it's got me as a white man from Texas 
and you as a white man from Montana, right? Like actual <laughs> diversity. So people have been naming everything from that. And, and you know, we still have a, long, a, a lot of time to go. But I think there, there's just a lot of injustice that people have been given permission to focus on when we give them the entryway of fuck this shit. Mm-hmm. Right? You've got everything. I mean, a lot of it is personified in our president-elect um, and, and his followers, but this has been happening before, right? Like, Tuhina and I would have launched this if we had president-elect Hillary Clinton. Yeah, yeah. But it, Yeah, it, because we, we planned this before the election. This was right. well planned before the election. Before- right, right. But I remember, like, when it, you know, on November 9th, I got a couple of different messages from people saying, well, it looks like fuck this shit's even more... Um, you know, it's even more relevant than, than ever before. Yeah, that was, that was pretty amazing that on the ninth, you know, just having first off, like having my phone light up on the eighth. So being, you know, an Indian American woman. So, you know, being overtly Brown, you know, can't, you know, overtly Brown is also going to be the name of Tuhina's, uh, autobiography. (laughs) No, actually that's like the, yeah, no, you're like the third person who's like picked a different name for my autobiography. (laughs) Um, it'd, also be, it'd be a great yeah. album name too. <laughs> yeah. No, that's my punk band. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, go ahead. Um, Sorry. But like, you know, so my life radically changed after September 11th, 2001. Um, I was working as an economic consultant and I had to travel a lot and being a, being a South Asian descent woman suddenly became a not safe person to be in the United States and especially living in South Carolina, because that's where I was living and working at the time. Um, and so like I had been verbally harassed, I had been threatened, um, after nine 11 because of the skin I inhabit, because I, I mean, I'm not a big person. I'm actually, I mean, my Twitter handle is tiny articulate woman. I mean, really, (laughs) it's true. Um, I can, I can attest, I can attest to that. (laughs) <laughs> I am not a large, I, I don't think I have a large threatening looming physical presence, but for some odd particular reason, the color of my skin, you know, at least in some aspects seems to really bother people. Um, and it's just having this, having, and being angry about it. Like, you know, I am angry that like people just really get to judge me just based off of the color of my skin, like right away. And like, you know, being called a terrorist, being called like Osama Mm -hmm. bin Laden's bitch. Um, you know, these are not nice things to be called. And it's also particularly hard because, you know, I'm an ordained minister in the whitest mainline Protestant denomination in the United States. It's not an awesome place to be. I'm not going to lie. Um, And it's also hard because like, you know, today, like Dylan Roof went on trial, like his trial begins today, um, the, the shooter in the Charleston massacre. Yeah. And, um, and he, he was confirmed in an ELCA congregation, you know, that like we are this denomination in which I serve, you know, a white supremacist, a a murdering white supremacist came out from our midst. Hmm. And he murdered Clementa Pinckney, who was, or you know, who was educated in one of our seminaries. Well, actually, two of the pastors were educated at Southern, not just one. Excuse me. Yeah, you're right. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, th- there's a reckoning. I think there's a reckoning that has to happen, and hopefully, our devotional can lead people into that to say. Um, the church not only has to be relevant, but it also has to ask for forgiveness, right? I mean, let's let's name it. Eighty-one percent of white evangelicals voted for him. Yeah. And a majority of white Christians voted for him. Well, and also like white women, white women preferred to be white over being a woman and voting for him. Right. Yeah, I think it's a clarion. I think it's a clarion call. And I think I think we are the voices crying out in the wilderness. I know that like I'm not calling I'm not calling Tuhina and I prophets. I'll call Tuhina a prophet, not myself. You you can't ever call yourself a prophet, right? So you have to <laughs> you have to call other people prophets. So Tuhina 
to Hina as a prophet, and I think our I think our um I think fuck this shit is prophetic, not just because of the people we've we've gotten to write for it, but everybody who has participated in it. Well, and I think like the people that we have part like the people that are contributing to this, like I am just floored by the people who said yes. I am absolutely in awe by the people who said yes to this. Um, that we've had some amazing, amazing contributors. And like I think about Addie, like our artist who paints for us like nearly every single day. She right. contributes an original piece of artwork to reflect the devotional. Right. And everybody who's doing this, they're taking a risk, right? Mm-hmm. Um, professionally or personally, they're taking a risk. Uh, they're taking a risk. So I think um, it's very humbling to see that. Yeah. Could could you highlight a, a couple of voices that that you are? bringing to the forefront through or bring or that are participating in, in the devotional. I, whether that's some people that have either, um, participated in prior ones, uh, so far, um, or the ones that might be upcoming, which, whichever, but I'd love, I'd love to just hear that. We have so many, um, like, like I, I, I don't want to name just like two or three because the people that we have contributing to this are just, outright phenomenal people and they're outright phenomenal truth tellers and followers of Jesus. Like I still cannot believe who said yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, I agree with you, Suhina, like it's tricky to mention one or two and not mention the rest. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but I do think, um, you know, uh, I think this, this devotional is getting featured in different um, in different communities and different networks because it's a great combination, not just of Tuhina and myself, but of the people who are writing for it and the people who are tapping into the um, the hashtag. Like it's just a it's a compounding effect, right? We have almost two thousand people who are uh, subscribers of our medium.com. Uh, kind of ground zero of everything that we have, our our base camp. I shouldn't say ground zero. That's yeah. Our our base camp of everything that we have, <laughs> Tuhina put together on Medium.com. Um, over two thousand subscribers. So I've been looking at the numbers. Right, every day we have over two thousand people who read the the featured story. That's incredible. Yeah, it's and that and that the first one, the the first one that launched this whole thing back on what November November twenty seventh, what that's at seventy five thousand views, mm-hmm. and it's been eleven days. Right, because it's easy to kind of get into um, into devotionals the first day, right? It's like <laughs> yeah, you, it's like sure. New Year's <laughs> resolutions. We love doing the first day thing, but then. We don't really follow up uh, the uh, day two, day three, day four, and yeah. we've had a lot of people who continue to come back, who are looking for it, who are asking for it, who are who are actually planning their day connected to what we're creating and what we're curating. So Tuhina wrote the first one, um, and then uh, you know from there we've had all these different guests. Uh, I'll, I'll be doing a video. Uh, reflection in a couple days and then we'll be ending you know obviously on december 24th but we've almost halfway through and we we still have a lot of people who are sticking with it yeah so since we don't want to favor um since we don't want to favor any particular contributor over over yeah we didn't didn't answer your question buddy but (laughs) oh no it's it's fine it's fine it's a totally understandable reason um, I think because like we have like 16 contributors and they're they're all amazing. Yeah, right. And we have some others who are coming in who 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 have who have connected with us afterwards and want to be a part of it. So yeah, sure. I mean it's a lot of it's, yeah. <laughs> I, I I totally understand. And so I I'll definitely refer everyone over to um to the publication on Medium. Um, yeah. But to to kind of pursue a different avenue there, as far as the things you're seeing in in response, um, could you talk a little bit about? Um, let's start with anything that you might see 
as far as sort of negative responses and what those sort of entail, if they're all about the language you use, um, or if there's some other sorts of things. But then really, I, I really want to hear the more positive things that people are, are doing both on Twitter or through medium or, or through whatever else. And I know that, um, I think I learned about your, uh, devotional right around the time it started on Twitter. And I mean, it, it definitely intrigued me from the beginning and I've been following it since. And, um, like your, your prompts and everything, um, today's is outrage. Uh, and, Mm -hmm. Um, and then, and it's definitely very refreshing to see that. Um, but I, uh, that's just me <laughs> giving you guys the compliment here on the air. Cause I want you to hear Thank that. You. From me. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but, uh, to cut my rambling off here, <laughs> I'd love to hear a little bit about resp- responses you're seeing, um, online and elsewhere and, and, uh, how you're sort of responding to the feedback that you that you're getting gosh where do we begin well um how about here here's a here's a starting point maybe this will this will help focus um let's start with sort of other um other christian leaders or public people that that make um you know proclamations of faith or or whatever they have a they have a personal christian brand or something um uh how are how are they reacting to your project um have we made it that far jason (laughs) (laughs) i'm not i'm not saying this is like uh i'm not saying like (laughs) celebrity christians or whatever (laughs) i'm like uh, I mean, what does Carmen and the Newsboys think of? <laughs> well, like, um, gosh, like people that are people that are like picking this up and like, I just about like freaked. Well, okay, so Hind Mackey is a Muslim scholar, and when I found out that she was following fuck this shit, like, I just about did a cartwheel in my office. Like, I totally like fangirled and like geeked out because it's like I want to be like. I want to be like just a badass scholar like her when I grow up and, you know, and talking about like, what does it do to do? What does it mean to do like really hard interfaith work also, but having to like work past like, you know, the whiteness of interfaith work that's happening in the world today, because there's so many different layers of interfaith work, but there's so many white people who are doing interfaith work that are ignoring those layers. So like when I found out that Hind Mackey was following us, I was like, Oh my God, like just <laughs> freaked out. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, Jack Jenkins, um, you know, featured us in his uh, medium post around, you know, what are some, what are progressive Christians um, following right now post elections? That was pretty cool. Um, oh, my gosh. When Will Gaffney, like, started participating. In the yeah. Movie, I was like, yeah. what? Yeah. So, you know, we, I mean, we're doing a lot of fangirling, which I'm all about, <laughs> I think, for a long time. So. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of that. I mean, the, you know, there, there's a lot of negative, uh, but overwhelmingly, the because po- you know a lot of the negative, honestly, is is being done through more um, anonymous channels with those who are in power over us. Mm-hmm. Like Zuhina and I both have bishops who have had uh, to kind of field some of the, some of that anger. Um, in the congregations who see this online and they, um, you know, they, they want it to be, they want it to stop or they want, they want the bishops to discipline us. And we're very lucky that we're in, um, places where, I mean, we're very supported at those levels. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. But you know, you know how it is. I mean, there, there are people who have, uh, connected with us online who are very, um, I mean, I got to tell you, like for the people who have been angry at me personally, not I, I don't know all of Tuhina and what she's had to deal with. The people who have been angry at me exclusively have been older white men. And like I, I, I sometimes like I give shit to older white men. 
I give shit to white men in general and white straight men like myself. I think we have a lot. To, I think we have a lot to atone for, you know. Yeah. yeah. But exclusively, the ones who have come after me in private conversations and online, they are all older white men. I just, it's, it's, it's embarrassing. It's been for me. It's been a combination of older white men and older white women. Um, so, so there, there's a connection there. I think there's a. <laughs> There's a line there that connects to, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's um have you gotten any older white women, Jason? Because I've gotten a, I've gotten a couple. Um I've gotten one, but Okay. But, but but I was able to kind of convince her. So I still say it's it's exclusively older white men who are angry, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that that aspect of it has been really fascinating of um of the demographics of the people who have been who have like outwardly complained or have like taken issue with me. Um, yeah. Predominantly older white folk. Hmm. I wish I could say I was surprised, but no. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it, it, it was really funny though, because it's like, you know, I'm, I'm a grown woman. Right. And here I am kind of like, Oh my God, what if my mom finds out what I'm doing? Like, yeah. So did, I, did <laughs> Didn't you tweet about that, Sahina? I did. I did. So I called my mom and I had a really lovely conversation with my mom. And and I told my mom that, like, mom, you know I swear like a sailor, right? And she's like, yeah, I've always known that, but you never swear around me because I tell you not to. I mean, you know, she's my mom. Um, and so I told her about, like, first off, I had to explain what Advent was because I come from a devout Hindu family. So I had to tell her about Advent. And then I had to tell her about what a devotional was. And then I had to tell her... Um, what this devotional was doing. And then I didn't tell her the words we were using exactly, but I did say like, it's the F word mom, because I can't use that word with her. Um, and it's the S word. And so I told my mom, like, this is the devotional. My mom's like, okay, Betty. So that means that you just, you know, you just keep going on and doing God's work, but don't use those words with me. <laughs> mm. Well, mm. that's good. It's a big deal. Yeah. yeah. On, on a similar note, I'm, I, I'm not looking forward to my mom listening to this because <laughs> there's a chance she'll, she'll, she'll learn about it. <laughs> but you know what? I, I gotta say like, just like, like you said, like, we're grown. <laughs> and, but we're also not using this language without thought or without purpose. <laughs> sure. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, absolutely. Like, yeah. That makes a big we difference. Had out, when we had planned out the devotional calendar, like we didn't just randomly pick like shit, fuck damn or something <laughs> that, you know, we went through the the daily revised common lectionary and picked scripture that just seemed to really speak out for like, what, what is going on in the world today? What is going to really like resonate with, you know, amen, come Lord Jesus or amen, come Lord Jesus. Like, when are you coming Jesus? Like, hello. You should be here by now. Um, and then we actually started like trying to find the appropriate words that would accompany that scripture. Like it wasn't just like, it wasn't, so like today, outrage. And it's um, Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, brood of vipers. Um, it's not like we just randomly paired like, you know, um, motherfucking shit piece of crap with brood of vipers. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, we're we're not making this we're we're not making this stuff up, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like this is biblical. Yeah. You know. <laughs> um, but the positive responses, I think, like that's there's really so many. yeah. There's so many that that blows my mind. Like getting like getting messages from people um, that like you know, my sister hasn't gone to church in years, and she feels like she has been hurt by the church and. I told her about your devotional and she feels like she can, you know, really enter back into Christian dialogue because you you've opened a door. Mm, yeah. Or like, awesome. uh, I, I haven't, I haven't talked about, I haven't thought about God. Um, uh, or I I've talked more about God in the last 10 days than I have in the last 10 years. Wow. Right. Yeah. And that, that, that makes it worth it for us. For me, I'm sorry, Tuhina. I'm not speaking for you. Thank you. It means a lot to me, too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's just for me, like, you know, because I 
because I was, I became Christian later in life. And so spiritual formation means a lot to me because I've had people accompany me in my faith formation. And, you know, it is, I feel, I feel immensely privileged to be able to accompany people in this way if it's helping them form their faith and deepening their relationship with a crucified and resurrected Christ. I mean, it's just, I never imagined that it could feel like this and that, and that to accompany people on this life of faith, I mean, my God, isn't this what we are called to do? Right. Mm-hmm. That as Christians, we are called to accompany one another, you know, where two or three are gathered. And so that having people really resonate with this and really resonate with Christ and really resonate with God and be moved by the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's just kind of, I can't speak for you, Jason, but I'm immensely moved at the responses that I've gotten when people are just telling me that it's like, I I feel like I can actually fully be Christian and not live a lie. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of that kind of stuff that, that makes it, a Holy Spirit fueled peace that we're not going to, we're not going to pander to the lowest common denominator. We're not going to say, well, two or three people are very offended by this. So we're not going to do it. Um, we've got, oh, because, because Jesus didn't offend anybody. Right. I mean, again, we've, we've domesticated Jesus even to understanding that, that it's an individualized Jesus who got along with everybody who never made any waves, right? Um, I mean, when Jesus tore up the temple, he quotes Jeremiah when he says, you have made, you know, this is supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of crooks. He quotes Jeremiah, and Jeremiah had had very harsh words to say about the status quo and about the reality of the world. So, I mean, this is this is so biblical, what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, you're empowering people to be honest. You're empowering them to f- to be honest about their feelings, about their feelings about God, about their feelings about society and how, well, fucked up it is. Like, uh, right. And, and giving people permission to do that in an honest way and to not put up a wall any even any sort of like mental barrier between the things that um that they have in their mind about what god should be like and how they should be with god um and that they can be honest with like god can take it (laughs) like you and and you should be able to to verbalize these things to the people next to you to the people and it's just it's just Great work. And I think what you're doing is very empowering. And especially in this moment in 2016, when it's just so frustrating (laughs) on so many different levels. Um, Yeah. So I think what you're doing is great. Um, And what I, uh, what I want, probably my final question for you before I, um, before I ask where people can find all this great stuff is what uh, as we move through Advent and then through Christmas, and Christmas is traditionally a 12-day celebration and ends in uh, Epiphany, or Epiphany begins another um, another season of time in the liturgical calendar. Um, how, What do you think people should carry forward with them through Christmas and through Epiphany and through into 2017? I think about epiphanies, like, you know, like, oh, I had an epiphany and just thought about, you know, had this. Um, I think, I think we're living in the midst of an unveiling for me, like as an apocalypse, as an epiphany, um, that I think that so much is being revealed to us at this point in time of what is really going on in our world and how broken our world really is and how broken we really are. And how do we accompany one another in the midst of all of this? How do we, how do we be beloveds in Christ to one another 
in the midst of all of this, because we're all going to need one another, especially come January 20th, at least at least I know that I'm going to have to be relying on the communities that I trust and that I hold holy because there's a lot of work that needs to be done that cannot be done on an individual effort. And thinking about like this devotional, like this devotional did not come up because of one person. This came up where two or three are gathered. You know, I think about, you know, I think about the Magi that, you know, it wasn't just one soul one. It's, it's a community of people who were traveling to see Mm -hmm. God made flesh Um, that for me, there's not really, there are not many, Jesus did go off to, you know, Jesus did go off by himself to pray and to be by himself. But I think there are so many, there's so much to be said about the theology of community in scripture. And I think that there's a community that has been built around, fuck this shit, this Advent devotional that we never anticipated. And I really would hope that this community continues to hold one another, to lift one another up, but also to hold one another accountable because, you know, we all have a moral shortcomings that we are not going to be able to know unless, unless our beloved calls us out. Yeah. And the, the, the prophets are all about accountability, right? They're saying, this is what we have committed to and you are not living up to your end of the bargain. I mean, I would say even the prophets are saying that to God and and God's own self, you know? Mm, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, I I really want to thank both of you for joining me and uh and talking more about this project. I think it's fascinating. I think it's timely. I think it's necessary. Um and I really want to thank you both even just just personally from from me. Uh, for putting this out there, uh, like you said, I mean, this is definitely a risk that both of you are taking, and that you're that you're uh, involving other people in. And but it's an it's a great risk to take, and it's uh, it is definitely empowering people. Uh, the people that I follow on Twitter, I I see them jumping in, I, um, and I'm very very intrigued to see. Um, what comes next over the next few days of Advent, um, leading up to, uh, leading up to Christmas. So, um, thank you both for joining me. Where can people find you online? Where can they find, uh, the devotional fuck this shit slash run the heavens? (laughs) 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 Um, Tuhina has has done a lot of work with just, if you go to medium.com slash fuck this shit, you'll find (laughs) You'll find all of that. That's um, actually our repository from all of the contrib- from the contributors that we have right. spoken to um, as we were building up to this. Right, and uh, but if you if you're just on Twitter or Instagram and you look up the hashtag "fuck this shit" or "rend the heavens," you'll see everybody who has uh, contributed to that conversation. Um, and uh, I also have it. Like we we have uh, one of those pieces on Medium that just shows both of the prompts for the uh, R-rated and the PG-rated version, so people can be um, following along or just be uh, meditating on or considering those those prompts. And do both of you have any Twitter handles or anything else you want to plug? <laughs> it's up to you. <laughs> totally. It's totally up to you. I'm just uh uh anything else you you want to plug or anything like that. You're you're welcome to. Uh, yeah, I I mean like, you know, I have the most exciting Twitter handle in the world, T V R A S C H E. I mean, woo. Um <laughs> Yeah, and I'm I'm at the uh, I'm at crazy pastor on on Twitter. Yeah, and um, and also the Salt Collective has also been really gracious in hosting a lot of our stuff as well. Okay, great. Uh, yep. Yeah, well, I encourage yeah. everybody to to check check all of that out. And thank you again to both of you for joining me. Thanks for inviting us. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been great. <laughs> <laughs>